is Amy Austin and welcome to A Time to Thrill. So today I'm going to uh, probably embarrass myself. I am going to interview um, author Nancy Warren in about, I don't know, 20 minutes. Um, And okay, so here's the story. I have admired Nancy from afar for about 20 years. How crazy is that, right? So uh, Nancy used to write for a line of Harlequin books called Harlequin Blaze. Um, I don't know if she wrote for Temptation before that or whatever it was called after, um, before it went defunct. So maybe for, I don't know, I started reading these when I was like 13. So probably maybe 20, 30 years, um, it was a line of books that came out monthly from Harlequin that were like sexy contemporary romance, which is my absolute favorite genre of romance and one that I uh, used to write under my other pen name. So I, there are very few writers uh, for whom I've read all their books, actually. (laughs) There are a lot of writers, maybe a lot of thriller writers who write one book a year or something like Julia Spencer Fleming, who I think has written, I don't know, 10 books in 15 years. That is certainly no hardship and I have read all of them. But romance writers are fairly prolific and I don't have the time to read all of the books of some of my favorite authors. They write faster than I can read because I read uh, genres outside of romance. And I have a child and uh, not as much time as I would like to read. So back to Nancy. So um, I, okay, now I sound like a stalker. I have read... I probably read 90% of the books in the Harlequin Plays line. I don't read ones that usually feature cops or military heroes or enemies to lovers romance, which I can't tolerate. But outside of those, I probably have read them all. And there were a number of writers for many years who wrote for that line. Um, they came in, they came out, some went on to write uh, women's fiction or single title romance. Uh, others went on to write other genres. But Nancy's books, I've read them all. So before this interview, I went to the library um, online, <laughs> pandemic, and uh, checked out all the books. And there were none that I hadn't read. Um, and I read two or three again. And I was like, I remember these. Um, but Early on in my writing career, maybe, wow, 13, 14, 15 years ago, there was nothing I wanted more than to write for this line. And um, I submitted, I'm sure, two or three books to them, and they were all uh, soundly rejected, and then later on went to be accepted by another publisher. So life was fine. But I cannot say what it was about these books that hooked me in but I never read um, romances from any other line in Harlequin. I tried them all. None of them really worked for me. And um, I did read single title romance, but as with anything, you never know what you're going to get with the cover. But what Blaze did for me, sort of like McDonald's, you knew exactly what you were going to get 85% of the time. Some books were so stellar Um, and some were, you know, so-so. But it was a certain guaranteed dopamine hit and um okay so that said I may know all of the writers not know personally like know I have a comprehensive list in my head of all the Harlequin Blaze writers and they used to actually have a website called I think blazeauthors.com or something it's long gone um believe me I checked um of the authors and their books and um so That said, I was at some conference somewhere. I don't know. I think it's San Francisco. There's a lot of things in San Francisco. Maybe like, I don't know. Time is passing seven or eight years ago. And I was with my friends and they're like, we're going to eat breakfast, lunch, dinner, have a drink. Who knows? And they're like, where are you going? I'm like, I see Nancy Warren over at that other table. And I love Blaze authors. I think she's a spectacular writer and I'm going to go meet her. And I did. And um, it was the most delightful brunch. I don't know. I think I had a salad. It wasn't that good. 
Um, I remember where I was sitting. I remember where she was sitting. I remember who else was at the table. And uh, it was one of those delightful meals I ever had because I was like, look, she's a real person. And they always say never meet your heroes uh, because they disappoint you. This was not the case. I was not disappointed. So, um, and I see, saw, pre-pandemic, Nancy from time to time at various writers' things around the world. Um, And I absolutely adore her. I think she's the best. And her becoming a friend of mine is like one of the highlights of my life. I mean, can you imagine like you meet someone and they're like this great artist and then you become friends with them. I don't even know what to say. There's such delight and joy in this relationship. I adore her. And in a few minutes, you will get to meet Nancy Warren. I can't wait for this. Hi, this is Amy Austin and welcome to A Time to Thrill. This month, I'm so delighted because I'm going to interview one of my favorite authors of all time, Nancy Warren. And I just can't wait for you to hear all about Nancy. I don't know what she's going to say, but we'll see. Hi, Nancy. Hey, Amy. Nice to see you or hear you today. Yes. No, it's so great to hear you. I haven't seen you since, I think, Houston in 2019, maybe, pre-pandemic, back when I thought we were all going to get together soon. (laughs) But alas. Alas. So you're coming. Alas. (laughs) I know. I know. So you're, okay. I believe right now you're in Canada. Correct. And how is it? Well, you're, you guys are doing so much better. So, (laughs) but how is it right now? Yeah, I feel very lucky. So I'm in in Victoria, British Columbia, which is, you know, on an island, um, not far from Vancouver. And we have very few cases, but even so, um, I'm very proud of the way British Columbia has handled this. We are, you know, we've all been in masks for ages. We're doing social distancing. Nobody can come into your house that doesn't live there. So even though we don't have many cases, um, we're being really careful. So yeah, I'm pretty, I'm pretty happy to be here. No, I, I'm delighted for you because some of the part of the other time you spend in the UK and clearly that is not going well. Um, the UK and, uh, is not going well. And I almost did go. I thought, you know, in the summer, I thought, oh, things are opening up the cases are down I'll go and fortunately I didn't because yeah I'd be very very unhappy in my little flat right now so happy to be here no it's it's great so I have about a thousand questions for you but um let me start with so how did you start writing Um, It's a long time ago now because my first, I'm actually celebrating 20 years in publishing in 2021. So um, congratulations. Thank you. I know I feel like it makes me feel so old, but I had young children and my husband at the time, who's no longer my husband had been transferred to Vancouver and I didn't, and I'd been working and I didn't know anyone and I, I didn't really have, you know, the connections to get a good job. And I kind of wanted to stay home with my children. And I sort of, I think I just got depressed and I was reading, I started reading romance and I just read and read and read romance. And then I had that moment as you do when I went, I could write one of these. these." And finally, and I've always, by the way, people who say, don't ever get an English degree. You'll never get a job. I can attest that in my whole career, I have always worked with that English degree. I've been in newspapers, in public relations, and then there I was moving into writing fiction. So thank God for my English degree. I, I, I actually, I'm, I'm, I don't even know what to say. I also have an English degree and I never thought about it because the one thing I don't use is my law degree, but that's a different conversation. <laughs> I know. And interesting how many ex-lawyers are writers, but as you say, different conversation. <laughs> So many, so many. My son actually thinks it's a thing. He's like, how is it all the writers you know are also lawyers? And I was like, that's a different conversation for a different day. (laughs) So you were um, at home with kids and then you sat down and wrote one or how was it fits and starts or how was it? No, oh my God, it was bad. So I I was reading, um, I was reading a lot of historical and I feel terrible because her name won't come. It will come later, but um, I got particularly hooked on this historical author who wrote about New Orleans and, and 
I just love these books. And so I sat down and I wrote this very flowery historical and it was terrible. And I sent it off to a contest and I got this wonderful feedback from a woman I still think the world of named Cheryl Bolin. And, um, and she wrote me back and she said, you know, you really didn't win. You're doing all these things wrong, but I can see something here. I think you've got potential. And just, you know, it's just those little things that send a person on the right path. So then I got really inspired. I joined RWA, um, which is and was a fabulous organization. You know, it's women helping women, um, writing romance and all helping each other. And it was great. And I learned tons and I met my agent there and I met my editor there and I won the Harlequin contest in the year 2000. They were putting out this new series called Blaze. And it's so funny now looking back because it was like groundbreaking. This was like hot and sexy. It and was. It's like, you know, one woman, one man. <laughs> so not very sexy now compared to, you know, the kind of books that, that we call erotic today. But anyway, at the time it was like, oh, it was so hot and sexy. So I, so, and the contest was you had to write um, a love scene and I think the first 10 pages. And so, and I won the contest. And I also, at that time I had already been submitting and I had a temptation that was under consideration and a duets, which was their romantic comedy line. And I had these two completed novels that were waiting, you know, to get passed up. And so when I won the contest, they published three of my novels in three different lines. And that was how I started my career. Wow. Okay. So at this point in the conversation, there's something I must admit. Um, so there are very few authors where I have read most of their catalog, but you are one. Um, wow. So, you. No, and I will tell you why, but um, okay. So I don't know if you've ever listened to, um, so there's a podcaster named Mark Marin who has a podcast called WTF and Mark Marin, I guess always wanted to be on Saturday night live, tried out, never made it. But when he has people on his podcast, who've been on Saturday night live, which is obviously a large number of people, he always goes through the story about how he auditioned, didn't make it. And, but it's something that he always wanted to do. So I will now admit, so I grew up reading romance. I, I started when I was much, much younger than most people, maybe seven or eight, because um, one of wow. my grandmothers who wore gloves and I never saw her in pants and her hair was always in a bun or chignon. She wore chignon Aww. and she wore stockings, but behind the life magazines were Harlequin <laughs> romance. <laughs> and I started, the first book I read is actually called The Taming of Tamsin. You can see where that goes. Yeah. I read it when I was like seven, eight, nine. I don't remember. And I read all of the romances in her house and there was just something about them that pulled me in. So I read them for years and years. I read a lot of other things, but I read them for years. But they're in romance. I, You know how people start to narrow their uh, interest. So my interest got very narrow. And the only line I ever read was Harlequin Temptation. Yep. And then um, when Blaze came out, I read it. So I read I've read probably 90% of them um, between the beginning and the end. And I've read all of yours um, before oh, I met you. I'm so honored. I did not know that. No, it's like I have you. I can't even tell you. So I read, I mean, I would read them religiously every month, um, all six of them. So unless there was a military hero, which I don't like, which is, that's just me. Right. So I read all of them. So I read all of those that you've written. Um, and Last week, I went to, not went to the library because I can't go to the library. I went online and I downloaded some of them because I was like, did I read them all? And then I read three and the answer is, yes, I read them all. <laughs> <laughs> but I used to, so I always wanted to write for Blaze. Um, that never happened. Um, I submitted my books, they were rejected and then they were picked up by a different publisher, which is, you know, another line that is actually all gone because they come and go like that in romance. Um do and but it's something so I used to not so much stalk watch <laughs> keep an eye for um blaze authors and uh Brenda Chin and like Bridget Todd Davis whenever they were at a conference I would like keep my eye out just in case um but I have so many questions because when I was rereading some of the books last week 
what I noticed is that, and this may be a reason I liked your books, because I love buying and selling houses, I don't know why, and renovations. And you've written a lot about renovations. And I really want to know what, why? <laughs> is that a thing for you? Or did you not, have you noticed that's a theme in your writing? Let me say that. I hadn't, but that's interesting. And now you say it, I, I agree. My very, very first book that very ever came out, A Temptation Called Flashback, is about, or one of my very first books, is about that very thing. I think... I think it works really well as a metaphor, um, you know, particularly about the hero, right? He's like this kind of dilapidated wreck and with with the right touch and the right woman, he can be renovated. So I think there's that that really works. And also it's just fun. You know, who doesn't love sitting there watching HGTV <laughs> and eating popcorn and you're not actually getting your hands dirty. It's just the fantasy of taking something that is that is sad and unloved and, and making it beautiful. And I have renovated a few houses, not me personally, because I could barely manage a hammer, but right. you know, I have a pretty good eye and I think it's so fun. So um, it is kind of an interest and sort of a hobby. Not that I've maybe I've done three, so not usually, but um, yeah, thanks. That's interesting. Um, it's just something I've always wondered. Um, and I think a flashback was one of the books I reread last week. And then the second one was also, um, she wasn't renovating. She was a designer. And then the third one also it featured some kind of house. And I was like, there are a lot of houses that, that get a lot of love in Nancy's books. <laughs> it's a nice home. <laughs> um, so I appreciate that. Um, I think I may have renovated about the same amount as you. And actually, I was driving my car today. And all I, I was thinking, oh, I wonder if I should do a kitchen renovation of my apartment in Budapest. But that's neither here nor there. Oh, um, about the same in Bath. Isn't that funny? Like, the kitchen is fine. But, oh, I have a vision. Yeah. <laughs> so do I. So the kitchen is new. Not new. It's not new now. It was new when I bought the apartment, which is at this point eight or nine years ago. But it, they had just done it um, with like tan and brown cabinets, which I would never have chosen, but uh, whatever. So well, they're all- it. That's what's in my apartment, my apartment in Bath. It's what is it with the, they're like dark brown. These yes. cabinets and they're brand new. You're right. And it's like, it's so just not me. Ooh. No. And every time I walk in, I think, oh, but somebody, they're new. And the thing I don't like about living in California is that people will tear down something that you just built like 14 seconds later. It just seems so wasteful. Right. So, but then I was thinking, well, you know, if I want to live there, um, you know, when I retire and maybe, and there's also, so, but this is like a European thing. There's a full kitchen, but there's also a full pantry. Nice. Which I like the idea of, but I don't store that much food because everything you buy is like very fresh and very ripe and there's not a lot of storage. And I thought, but if I had, if I knocked down the wall, I'd have one very large, bright, it's an Eastern exposure, delightful kitchen. And I'm so, but I'm weighing that. I was weighing it when I was driving and I was like, I don't know. I can't, I'm always on the fence about that. I think um, you should totally do it. If you're not using the pantry, why would you waste it? And you know, space is sort of premium in Europe. I'm assuming it is. suffers that too. I would totally do that. No, I walk in. Uh, the thing is, it's in there is an Instapot, flour, oh, my and, Instapot. and a ladder. <laughs> That's exactly what's in there right now. <laughs> that space. And it has a window and you never see it because there's a door and you never see the light from the window because the door is closed on the, in the pantry. Um, but it's on my list of things because I thought that would be delightful. They redid the bathrooms too. And also like tan and brown, which I don't like, but that I can live with because I don't spend as much time in the bathroom as I do in the kitchen. Oh, but it, anyway, part of your but, home. Yeah. but I, I, that, that I was driving and I thought that may be my last renovation project. Um, and if I do it when I'm not there, that would be even better because living through renovations, I've not found to be the biggest joy of my life. It's not a happy thing. Um, so anyway, back to writing. So how many Blaze books did you write? I'm sorry, I'm going to focus on this because it's my delight and joy. Oh, that's so funny. I d actually, to be honest with you, I don't remember. I'm going to say 15, but that's mm -hmm. a guess. Um, I think it may be more than that because when I was reading one of them, oh, and I, I probably have them here on my phone, but um, they have the list in the front and there was a very long list of all of them. Yeah, actually, you're right. It probably is more because I think I ended up doing about Maybe, did I do as many as this? Isn't that awful? Because I haven't really written for for Harlequin in, in probably 10 years. It might be 50 altogether. So that would be Temptation, Blaze. I did some of the duets until that line died. And I did one super romance. And I did a few, like, you know, special projects. And I did a couple of projects for HQN. Right. So, 
something somewhere in there. Yeah. So they were then, fun though. They were good books, and there was a lot of really good writers that were doing them too. Um, I do not disagree at all. Yeah. <laughs> I quite enjoyed them. I mean, it, it. I quite enjoyed them. I read them from when I was probably thirteen until I don't know, two thousand ten. When did it end? I feel like it was two thousand nine, ten, something like that. Maybe way around there. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's when I had my son, and then it all that also left, and I was like, well, I have something to fill my time now. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't have. I I lost a lot of reading time. So did you write romance after the you stopped writing for Harlequin? I did, yes. Um, I did a series called Take a Chance, which is, I think there's seven novels, and they're sort of, um, they're kind of like Temptations, not very, there is sex in them, but they're not about, you know, the sexy premise. But Mm -hmm. I like the idea, they're this kind of wacky family of um, misfits. They're all adopted, or some of them are not adopted, but the parents refuse to say which is which, so they just... (laughs) They're just kind of this big, noisy, crazy family in the Pacific Northwest. And obviously they all get their story. Right. Um, so that is still an ongoing series because I haven't finished it yet. But that's that's the first thing I did. And then and then did I go into cozy mystery? I think then I started writing mystery. And I have pretty much been writing mystery ever since. Although I still love romance and I still intend to go back certainly and finish that series. But right now I just write almost exclusively um, mystery. So I do have to ask because I did also make a pivot. So I wrote, I think I haven't published a romance in three, four years. I'm not even sure. It feels time passes. Um, And I've been mainly writing legal thrillers. Um, And I don't, actually I'm halfway through a romance now that I pulled up off the hard drive and I think I'm going to write, it's like my last hurrah. I'm going to write one more um, or finish this one. And, but I don't know if I'm going to continue writing romance and it's not that I don't love them. I, don't know actually I don't know why that's probably way too deep but what made you pivot to cozies I got divorced oh that maybe that's why I'm also not writing romance I, think. Yeah, I, I forgot that, that I reason say, but honestly when I got to like the thing about romance as you know at the core of every romance novel is that we I think as readers we read it for that sense of longing you know these people are so right for each other and they're so much stronger apart than they are on their own. And when you get the happy ending, you have that wonderful sense of completion. But what I found was when I got divorced, I didn't believe that core story anymore. And if you don't believe the core story, how can you write it? Mm-hmm. Now, having said that, you know, that I, I got divorced 10 years ago right. and, I've, and I'm coming around now um, and I'm more... I, I feel like I can go back to romance now. I feel like I've, you know, had my therapy. I've worked through my demons around, around, you know, love and marriage and commitment, but absolutely. And all, and, and, you know, we all have our core stories and, and you can't, as someone once said about writing romance, you know, those people that are like, Oh, I could write one in a weekend and make a bunch of money. She said, right. it's very difficult to hold your nose with one hand and write with the other. <laughs> and I think that's true of anything, right? If you're not, if you don't believe it, how are you going to make your reader believe it? So that was for me the reason. And so, and I think that, you know, it was a chance to kill people <laughs> while not having to go to jail. <laughs> one person in particular that I really wanted to kill at that time. No, I, I, I think I get that. And that may be the, the truth of it. Um, actually, I did send a newsletter. Um, so as I was telling you, I'm no longer writing under the name Sylvia Fox. And I did send out a newsletter to all of my readers maybe last weekend saying that, you know, because I was like, I'm not going to string you along anymore. I don't think there's going to be any more romance. And um, it was actually a little bit sad because I got so many responses where people are gonna, they're like, I'm going to miss your books and I hope, you know, you heal and do better. But I, I couldn't. I haven't been able to write one. I just haven't been able to write one. I keep starting and stopping. And I think I have three halves on, a, on the hard drive. Um, whereas with legal thrillers, I'm having no problem killing people, maiming them and doing all sorts of horrible things to them. Um, and that's really good. And, I, and it's part of your therapy. But honestly, I susp- like I would just put all those, put them back on your hard drive and right. just close it down. There will come a time, if you're like me, which I think you are, there will come a time when that emerges again and then you'll finish those books but yeah it don't write romance right now this is not your time 
No, I, I see that. And I look, sometimes I look, I look, how can I say this? Longingly at some covers because I had a 12 book series planned. And I think I love the idea of this, but I don't have the, whatever the rare withal, whatever that is, it's not in me right now to um, write these people's stories as much as I adore the idea of them. Um, but so back to Cozy. So how many of those have you written? And okay, I have a lot of questions about Cozy's because to me, they seem very hard to write. <laughs> Thank you. They are surprisingly hard to write. Um, I think, again, I'm terrible at that. I want to say there's about 30. Um, I started with um, with Tony. Her name is Tony Diamond. And I don't know if you were at the RWA conference. It, it's one of the last ones I went to. It was in Dallas. And we got double booked with Mary Kay. And so the, <laughs> seriously, right? No, I wasn't there. I think I was probably away in the summer by that point. But yeah. Oh my God. So these conference hotels in Dallas are like massive and there's what, 2000 women, you know, I mean, obviously there's a few right. men, but it's primarily women at the RWA conference, always dressed up. You know, most of us don't get out much. So right. I know. And our hair done and our makeup and you know, there's all those parties and stuff you go to in the evenings. And then double booked with us was approximately the same number of Mary Kay sales ladies who all dressed up, wore their big makeup, and we kept mixing each other up. Oh my and gosh. the funny stories of, you know, people getting offered makeup, or I, I was in the elevator going up to some Harlequin do, and this woman said to me, and I was wearing, you know, I can't even remember what year it was, but it was very fashionable to put like sparkly makeup on your shoulders because that is, yes. and she went, oh, isn't that, you know, whatever, Mary Kay magic sparkle, just the best. Anyway, <laughs> kind of things happened over and over again. And I got, and plus, you know, we, it was kind of like stressful. And mm-hmm. I got this idea that, uh, that I would have someone die at this, I would use this as the premise for a mystery because I thought, oh my God, all these people are getting all mixed up. Who's who mm-hmm. that I, so I used that as my premise for my first mystery. And, and I ended up having, having, um, um the, I ended up with the Mary Kay, she's not, obviously I don't call it Mary Kay, it's Lady right. Bianca, but the Mary Kay lady became my sleuth because what a perfect sleuth. They're pushy, they're bossy, they're so busy trying to give you a makeover. They're always trying to get in your house and in your face. And I thought, you know, because the hard thing about mystery is what possible reason does your amateur sleuth have to keep turning up in these strange places where people die? And I'm like, Mary Kaylee, she's always barging in places that people would probably prefer she not be. So that was, so she's been such a fun character. So I think I did four of those. And then, um, and then I was living in Oxford and I had always had this idea. I'm great at ideas. I love them. It's just, you know, you, there's no <laughs> time in your life, right? You can only write so many books. And I had this I idea I didn't know what it was. And it was about the time that the two big hits, I think at the time were uh, True Blood, you know, the Charlene Harris series of novels, which right. was that fabulous TV show. And the Friday Night Knitting Club was this magic right. Yes. And it, and I think it was the same time that everybody was doing those genre mashups, you know, like um, Pride and Prejudices and Zombies, which just makes That's me wrong. Correct. Um, <laughs> yes. And I went, oh my God, what a fun mashup if you had the Vampire Knitting Club. And I was chortling away thinking this was the most hilarious thing ever, but I did not know what it was. And I cannot remember the moment that it hit me that it was a paranormal cozy mystery. And then I was like, oh my God, there it is. And so this is by far the most successful thing I've ever done. Um, people who love them really love them. And yeah, so I'm just actually, I ju- I'm just editing now book number 12 in that series. And I don't see it ever ending. I think it's like my vampire series. It'll just go on and on. Wow. So, so I'll say this. So I don't, um, let me say that. I, okay. So I write legal thrillers. So bad things happen and it's just a matter of whether people get their comeuppance or justice or whatever. Um, and I'm actually writing book 10 in a series and, um, it's the first one where there's a murder and you don't know who does it. Right. And, and it's a little hard. I was like, 
oh, I, so I write, I'm a pantser, which is its own problem yeah. with, as far as this goes. And I was like, so I need to think ahead as to how we're going to find out who really killed, you know, this guy. Um, and I find that difficult um, because romance is a little, not, I want to say easier. It's not easy to write, but you know, okay, the, the, the end is a foregone conclusion. I guess it's the same for mystery, but it's there's not 15 people involved. There's only two. Um, so how do you plot these? I mean, I just, I don't even know. My head hurts at the thought of it. But do you plot? I know my head hurts at the thought of it too. So yeah, so the thing with romance, you're absolutely right. We, Although of course the trick with romance is also what at the heart of romance, it's still suspense, right? Because yeah. the story question is how will, you know, how will damaged hero and angry heroine ever solve these what seem to be insurmountable problems to their yes. relationship that's yeah. why we keep reading for the happy ending because we already knew when we started it was going to be a happy ending right and, that, and that's right the challenge and the joy of writing romance is to make your reader believe that this is the first romance in the history of romance where they can't possibly end up together <laughs> and then you go ha ha i did it exactly. where mystery you're right you've got the central someone died under mysterious circumstances. Now I need, you know, some number of plausible suspects, all who could have done it. I need a, I need a, a, a sleuth that's not too stupid to live that, you know, is actually sensibly going through and eliminating the things or following trails. I need to, you know, set up trails of breadcrumbs. Oh my gosh. It's a huge, it's a huge amount of work. And at the end, it all has to, that puzzle has to fit nice and neatly. And you have to be able to, at the end, the reader ought to be able to look back and go, Oh, damn, oh, that yeah. coming. Oh, but when I go back, I can see, I could have figured it out. You know, if I had just, yes. <laughs> yeah. And that's the perfect mystery. And I don't know if anyone's ever actually written one. I, you know, we hope that we have, or at least got close. Right. And so, no, I'm, I'm actually essentially a pantser too, which is, which is both good and bad because I think a too tightly plotted mystery, it, you know, I, I worry that you're telegraphing where you're going, whether you mean to or not, because you know where you're going, you're going down this path. And I'm a bit worried that you're telegraphing that to your reader. Right. So I like being a combination pantser and plotter you have to plot a little bit you have to know where you're going you have to sort of figure out who your who your plausible suspects are but i often actually don't know which one did it till close to the end and agatha christie apparently famously used to do that too so sometimes i'm so sure you know it's the plumber Mm-hmm. And then I get to maybe three chapters from the end, and I'm like, oh my God, it's not the plumber. It was the gardener. And it <laughs> worked. Somehow it works. It was all there. I just didn't see it. Wow. Okay. That's you probably that's... don't want to take lessons from me and how to write it cozy. That sounded completely insane. But anyway, it works for me. No, I get it. I my brain just doesn't work that way. And so mm-hmm. and it's not a genre. I mean, I read occasionally, but I don't it's it's not it's not your genre. Yeah. No. And so I read them and I go, okay. And then I, I walk away actually. And I stopped a lot of them. I didn't read because they had too much food and too many recipes and they would make me hungry. <laughs> and so I was like, food ones. I know I'd actually, I actually do one that's, that's foodie based on the, based on the great British bake off. I have one called the great witches baking show. I think it's called. Yeah. And um, it's basically bake off and it's all every week. It's like, Oh my gosh, I get to research cakes and bread and <laughs> so much fun. I'm gaining so much weight between the pandemic and that series. Yeah. So that's um, anything that sort of reminds me of food. Although yesterday I think I baked a banana bread, so I can't speak on that, but I was anything that sort of, I'm like, Oh, and then I wander off. And next thing I know I'm like baking and it's not good for anybody's waistline at my age. So um, I do stay away from those. Although I, I, so I have most of the ones I've read generally involve like knitting or some kind of handcrafts, which because they're always sitting around a table, also solving a mystery and coming up with a lovely sweater. Um, <laughs> nice at the end, you have a beautiful sweater and a solved mystery. And I'm a solved mystery. And I also can't knit, by the way. I'm a terrible knitter, which I gave that to my heroine as well. So she and I really struggle with our knitting and, and, the, and I've got this lovely readers group and they're most fabulous knitters in there. And they're always like, you know, we do kind of show and tell and oh my gosh, the things these women are doing are beautiful. And then I'll like post a question like, so when you're trying to do, you know, whatever, some stitch that I had to research, cause I don't know how to do it. And then they're so lovely and they explain to me how it's done. 
Oh, that is so funny. So I do knit. It's a, I guess a hobby. I don't know. It's, it's something I do because I can't sit still. So I, if I'm going to try to sit still at night with other people, I have to knit because it's hard for me to sit still. Um, so I have to keep busy. And so I started knitting maybe like, I don't know, probably 25 years ago. And um, I'm only so-so at it. But so I used to email my readers like what I was knitting. And um, at some point I got a lot of emails and they were like, you should have a knitter in your book. And I thought, I don't know if that's a thing that's, uh, how can I say this, interactive enough for me to put in a book. Because I once read a book where the heroine did Sudoku. And that turned out to be the most boring hobby I've ever read about in my life. Because I thought, well, she's sitting there adding up numbers. That is um, a little dumb. That is a little <laughs> dumb. But knitting, I think it's actually a great idea. Especially like, you know, I know a lot of lawyers knit and they maybe used to knit in, in law school and stuff. Right. Did I don't yeah. know. If, but, I did. I did. Yeah. I don't know why. Maybe cause I don't, well, I went to law school in a rural area, which was never a good idea up in upstate New York. So it was me in the cornfields. Um, right. So I had a lot, there was a lot of time on my hands. <laughs> Um, but yeah, no, I did start knitting. So, but I, I've never written a knitting. I've never, my characters actually, I was thinking about this when I was driving, when I got done thinking about renovations, I realized that my characters don't have a lot of hobbies. Um, mainly because they seem to be concerned with either not falling in love or in the case of my heroine, an ongoing legal thriller, trying to get herself out of whatever hot water she's in. Um, and so she doesn't seem to have a lot of spare time. I was thinking, I think she watches TV. I don't think she knits. I mean, she doesn't knit. She doesn't have any hobbies. Her main hobby is trying to get out of bad relationships and also, you know, not have a riot in the city where she is. Yeah, uh, time-consuming activities. <laughs> no, I know. And I was thinking, oh, maybe she needs hobbies, but we'll see. We'll see. I don't know where, where that's going. Um, so I have another question. Oh, okay. So many ages ago, I was looking at your website and there was something about being on the front page of the New York Times. And yes. I wanted to, so what is that? What is that about? Oh my gosh. It was so crazy. So I, as I, as I was telling you earlier, like I'm a really good idea person. I come up with these really fun ideas and I came up with this. I came up with the title. Did I come up with the title first? No, I don't think so. I, I, I came up with this idea and I wanted to do, and again, it was for a blaze. I think it was for a blaze. No, maybe it was after blaze. Anyway, I had this idea and I thought, you know, you know, when you're creating, when you're creating your romance hero and heroine, you always want to make them like quite opposite. Yes. Um, and I had her first and she was an actuary. So she was entirely about risk and risk assessment. And I thought, okay, what is the polar opposite guy that would be the most hard for her to deal with? Please tell me he's not an extreme sports guy, but I don't even remember, but yes. <laughs> well, I was thinking, yeah, extreme sports, he's a fire jumper. I came up with all these ideas. And at the end I went, oh my God, he's a race car driver. Oh, so I made him a NASCAR driver and I called the book Speed Dating, which to this day, I think is one of my best <laughs> ever. <laughs> and so, and so... I wrote the book and I'm trying to remember what happened. But anyway, Harlequin ended up, um, I, I said, look, I said to my my editor who was Birgit, Birgit Davis Todd, I said, look, I've written this thing. I don't really know where it fits. And she's like, oh my gosh, Nancy, we were just, we just had a marketing meeting and they're starting a brand new series around NASCAR. So she sent the book to, um, I can't even remember who the editor was now that was, that was doing it. Mm -hmm. And so they bought that book to launch the series and it was, oh my God, it was the most fun thing I've ever done. And it was a partnership between Harlequin and NASCAR. Like, you know, that's like me and like, what's the strangest hero you could put together with this heroine? You wouldn't right. actually put Harlequin together with NASCAR, except that apparently one of their biggest um, growth areas is women. Oh, and right. so, and so my book launched the series we went to Daytona for the launch. Um, Carl Edwards, who who was a big time race car driver at the time, was in my book. I got to interview him, and he was he's actually a character in Speed Dating. It was so much fun. Wow. Anyway, okay. That's why. So the New York Times came and they did this big article, and it, they put it on the front page. <laughs> oh my gosh! Presumably, you have saved that. <laughs> oh, I have a few copies. Yeah. <laughs> Just like Above the by the way. Yeah, it was really cool. That that is pretty cool. I that 
I <laughs> I have no match. That is that is really cool. I remember that line vaguely, and I always wondered about that. Not wondered. I mean, I got the marketing angle. I just was always like, this is an interesting partnership. <laughs> um, and I don't think if I thought more about it after that. That is so interesting. Did you only write one of those? No, I wrote two, I think. And I, and there was a Steve, you know, there. I want to say it was like maybe 12 books in the series that were all different authors. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it was super fun. I, as, I, as you say, I'm not sure. I'm not sure how terribly successful it was, but really built the NASCAR um, female audience or really bought a lot of race car fans over to Harlequin. I just don't know. But anyway, it was really fun as a writer to do it. No, I mean, I don't want to say it's an unholy union. It's just an unusual union. I mean, I could see the idea of it, but then I'm like, okay. But I don't, um, stock car racing is not a thing I think I've never seen. So I, I mean, I know what it is, but I don't. To be honest with you, I never had either. And I wrote this book, you know, purely because I wanted this guy to be the hero. I didn't know much about it. I did some research. And then, of course, I got to know a lot because I went to, I probably went to four races and, you know, we did like, um, Carl Edwards and I like launched the series at Daytona. It was like the most fun thing ever. So yeah, I think I did. Yeah. I think I went to maybe four or six races. I can't remember. Anyway, it was really fun, but I'm not like, I haven't kept up my fandom or anything. It wasn't really for me, but it was fun to do. No, I mean, life is full of, well, life, I'm sorry. Writing life seems to be full of random fun opportunities. Sometimes I find myself places and I think, I would otherwise never be here, but let me roll with it because why not? <laughs> Isn't that um, the truth? And all these things that happen that normally you would be just horrified, you like stop for a moment. You think there's a book in this. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I think I have so many. Um, well, I well, most writers I know have way more ideas ideas than time. And the challenge I find is to not go down every rabbit hole that I see. Um, <laughs> that is interesting, but um, so many, so many ideas. So many and they're ideas. so interesting, aren't they? And you like think, oh, I'll just poke my little head down this hole. And then all of a sudden you're halfway down a tunnel and you're going, damn, this was not a good idea. Meanwhile, you've wasted a lot of time. I know I do the same thing. No, I have a, I have a, well, I have a new rule. Um, so I took a Becca Syme class last year, the year before, um, and that really helped focus. But I have a new rule where I only have one rabbit hole a day. Um, and I have a 10-year-old who's now home doing, you know, Zoom school. So he's a big accountability partner because he, he wanders by and he's like, what are you looking at? Um, this week was actually climate. So I'm writing a book where, um, this is a legal thriller, where the heroine at the beginning of the book, she's later not there, but she's in Louisiana. And I haven't been to Louisiana in 30 years and don't quite recall the climate. I was really young. And um, so then I started looking up climates and I was like, how are climates classified? And it turns out there's a thing called the Koppen-Geiger climate classification system. And I was like, oh, so about 45 minutes later, I look up (laughs) and my, my son walks by and he goes, what are all those colors? I'm like, this is the climate classification system. <laughs> and he was like, what was the first question? And I was like, whether or not it was warm in Louisiana in in Thanksgiving, during Thanksgiving, whether it was likely to be raining or not. And he was like, that's a very small question for him. That's a big answer for a small question. <laughs> but I do have rabbit holes. The other one, actually, I went on one that was actually one of the worst ones I ever did. So I was looking up one thing about World War II, I couldn't even tell you what the one thing I had to look up was. And next thing I know, I was down a rabbit hole about the Lebensborn children, which is a whole system where the Nazis stole children from Eastern Europe. And I don't want to call them. They, they kidnapped them and repatriated them as German and often did not tell the children. So they were young enough because they changed their language. And the only good thing about that is I eventually wrote a book about it. But 99% of the rabbit holes, nothing. <laughs> just I just... know, but you sort of also never know when it's going to be the right rabbit hole. You know, and as you say, at the time you think, well, this was a waste of my time. And then later on, you, it'll be like, oh, wait a minute. Mm-hmm. That's where that fits in. Yes. <laughs> I don't know. I like to think nothing's ever wasted. I, I, that is my new feeling about it. Um, 
because a friend of mine texted me the other day. So all of my friends, well, a lot of my friends have birthdays at the beginning of the year. I do not. And I was texting one of them about somebody else's birthday. And she was like, you know, we have more years lived than years left. And I was like, oh. And, um, but then I thought, thought. (laughs) I have cheery friends. And I thought, okay, well, she's, it's, she snowed in in Colorado. I don't think she was, (laughs) she was not thrilled, right? She was like, I'm already over the snow and it's, it's still January. Um, but we were just talking about that. And I thought, oh, does that mean I should have less rabbit holes? But I, I thought, well, the climate maybe was not the best. But all I could think of is, well, if this is the way that I get to delight myself, then I'm just going to do it. Like it harms no one. And Google is there. <laughs> and you're smarter. Now look at all the things you know that you didn't know before. No, I have a vast knowledge of a lot of things. Just a lot of random facts um, that if I were on Jeopardy, um, maybe. But just a lot of random facts about just the most random of things. Um, and by the way, uh, oh, it turns out that Louisiana is um, subtropical, which I didn't know, which but oh, I now do. It could well be sunny and warm at Thanksgiving then. Yes, I just had to, I just needed to yeah. figure out the weather. <laughs> Because she was driving and I just wanted to like, I wanted to set the scene and I needed to know what the weather was going to be. Um, and I do the same thing with like, it's weird, isn't it? It's like plants for me. It's like, okay, what's flowering? I don't want to, you know, when you're like, oh, there she walks in the garden and the lilac was blooming. And you're like, okay, does lilac actually bloom in March? Or is that too early? So I do that all the time. And the next thing I'm like, oh, look at these pretty lilies. Where are they going? What the genesis? And that's <laughs> Exactly. It's its its own thing. It, it is just its own thing. So I guess I have to ask you, because pe- people ask me this all the time. Um, somebody asked me this the other day and she was like, when do you think you would stop writing? And I thought to myself, I don't have a plan to stop writing. Um, but what is your long-term writing? How do you, how do you see the future of your writing career, I guess? Well, I I do think about that sometimes too. Um, I think, I think for now, I love what I do and, oh, aren't we lucky? You know, honestly, some days I forget we're in a pandemic. My life has changed so little. I sit at my desk in front of my computer. I make up worlds. (laughs) I live with, you know, with people that, are not real. Right. And then until I need groceries, I sort of forget. So <laughs> it's a very peculiar thing. Um, and, but it, like you, I know we're so similar. I love to travel. That's what I miss the most. Oh, I and yeah. when the world opens up again and we can travel, I think I'm going to start easing up a bit. I I've worked really hard for the last few years and I'm tired and I would like to sort of ease up a bit. I don't think I'll, ever I can't imagine ever not writing I think that you know I will die and then we'll pry my you know cold hands off the keyboard but (laughs) as you know indie publishing we're not just writing anymore it's this running you know I feel some days like I'm I don't know running random house and there's only me and I I'm good at writing and I'm not good at everything else and it's hard so um I don't know. I sort of fantasize that one day someone will come along and say, you know, we'd really love to buy your backlist and here's a big whack load of money. Mm-hmm. And I will say thank you very much and shake their hands and be done and then just write things for fun. Right. But until that happens, <laughs> um, I don't know. I don't, I don't know the answer. Do you have an answer? No. Although I too have thought about easing up mainly because, so my son is 10, I'm sorry. He'll be 11 in, I don't know, 10 days or something like that. And, um, I can see that puberty is right around the corner. And at that point, he may be far less interested in hanging out with me. Um, So if we can travel again, and I had promised him the pyramids and then we didn't go. I mean, I bought the tickets in March um, and we didn't go. And then during the summer, so a lot of my friends and I did this, like, he, I was like, I'm so sorry, I can't take you, but I'll take you as soon as, you know, we can go. Um, And I was like, well, where else would you like to go? And I promise I'll do that too. And he wants to go see Machu Picchu. And so I've made all these promises and I I do fulfill my promises. So as soon as we can travel again, I think I'm going to spend a little bit more time traveling, at least in the next couple of years before he loses interest in hanging out with his mother. Um, But I don't see discontinuing writing. I just don't know. But there's so many other things and this may be pandemic related. There's so many other things I want to do. Um, and even yesterday, so I was, um, there's an author named, it doesn't matter, Evelyn Adams. And we were watching, 
some movie yesterday, um, like doing a watch party. And this movie starts and they're like in London and then they're in Paris and then they were somewhere else. And I was like, oh, I miss traveling. I forgot. Like I just, you know, I was like, oh, I've been to all these places, but not in the last two years or year and a half, I guess. Um, so I do want to travel more, but that may peter out quickly. I don't know, but I just want to not put off travel because I was mainly, I don't, it wasn't limited, but I was traveling two or three times a year, but I was still sitting in my apartment. I would, I mean, I would leave this apartment and then go fly to the other apartment, you know, and I would still spend, you know, six hours a day in my apartment by myself writing, just at a different keyboard with a different window. Anyway, I was just, um, I'm sorry, the the vagaries of the internet mean that Nancy got dropped. So we're just going to continue the conversation from here. But we were talking about traveling. Um, But I'll ask you, what are there places that you want to go? Not that you want to go that have moved to the top of your list um, with the with the hiatus and travel, let's say. (laughs) Yes. Well, weirdly, I did a vision board this year. And like you, the picture on my on my vision board is the pyramids. I have never been to Egypt. It's so high on my list right now. Um, so I've got that there. And then my hiking group is doing a, a trip to the Dolomites. Um, oh, in and I yeah. really want to go on it. So I actually, on my vision board, I have a picture of the pyramids and I have a picture of a bunch of hikers in the Dolomites. And I'll just, you know, all we can do is hope, right? At some point we'll all get vaccinated and the world will go back to some form of normal. And Yes. No, I'm so intrigued by the hiking because Theodora Taylor, you know, we know, um, she's a writer. She invited me on a hike, but I believe she and her friends, well, I I don't know where they go normally. I know that two years ago, there's such a gap now. I think they all went hiking in France and that looked like it was great fun. Um, And I have friends that do that. So the Dolomites sound fun, but the Egypt, I know Egypt was the top of my list. It had never been, Um, but there's another author who went and she was like, well, whatever you do, do this. And I thought, you know, you're right. But my, actually my goal was to do it during the winter because during oh, the summer, Egypt's hot. <laughs> oh, it's too hot in the summer. Yeah. Um, so my goal was to do it like January, February, March. So at this point, um, it may be another year before I go and I'll certainly do something else uh, before that. So you split your time between Canada and England. Do you anticipate, I, I don't know how to say this because you don't have to, choosing one? I mean, is your goal now that you, um, is your goal now spending more time in Bath than not? Pandemic aside. Pandemic aside, I'm not sure. I love both my homes. Um, And, you know, Canada has a lot going for it too. I really like it here, but England, well, I write all my books now are pretty much set in, set in England. So it really helps to be there or the UK anyway, because one series is set in Ireland. Um, And I don't know. I absolutely love it. I love Bath. It's the most gorgeous city and I've got lots of friends there, but I don't know if this is happening to you. Like I do feel a little bit that I can, like I'm being split into. Mm-hmm. You know, I've got all you guys in California that I, you know, I, I, I love and I love California and um, I don't know. I think until somebody makes me choose, I probably won't. And I'm a dual citizen. So I'm right. a British and Canadian citizen. So that really helps. Um yeah, no, you now that you say it. So what I was able to do, and actually, this is actually the thing I'm lamenting most, but this is the pandemic thing. I was able to sort of maintain it by traveling enough to see everyone. Yes. And this is the first year I haven't done it. And I was just, I was on a Zoom call with um, some friends in like Budapest and it's, it's just, it's getting hard. So when you got kicked off, I was just logging into something and one of the, it was, I think I was logging into Facebook and one of the comments is a friend in Germany. And she's like, when are you coming back to Europe? And I'm like, I don't know, but I would love to see her. I mean, I saw her um, in Munich, you know, the last time I was there. And so I love to go places and then see my friends. And now I just feel like it's such a backlog that I'll never catch up again. Um, So it's, it's just, it is what it is. Um, So speaking of romance, so do you have, if you were to go back to romance, what kind of romance do you think you would write? Have you ever written historical? Uh, no, not that terrible one I first wrote that never got published. Yeah. And then I wrote, um, I wrote a mystery set in the set in Paris in the 1920s, um, Death of a Flapper. I just wrote that last year, and uh, that's the closest I've got. I I love historicals. <laughs> I love Jane Austen is my favorite author, and I you know when I watched the success of Bridgerton, and I thought, oh. 
you know, maybe, but I just don't think I want to write that. I love to read it. Um, probably not. I think if I go back to romance, it's going to be more women's fiction. It's going to be more, I think, older women finding love because mm-hmm. that's what interests me now. Um, right. I'm too old. I think I'm too old to write 20s falling, you know, 20 somethings falling in love. I just don't think that's for me anymore. No, I don't. So I don't think I ever wrote 20 something people. I'd have to think about it now. See, I'm going to have to go through my books and there probably is like two. There are two and I just don't know. But um, I've mostly written 30s, uh, 30 something people, which seems to be my sweet spot in age, like just old enough to know better. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I do. So I love women's fiction. Like it's I think it's my first love well, maybe my second. I don't know. It's hard to know. I like whenever I pick up a book, I'm like, I love this genre, and then tomorrow it'll be something else. Yeah, me too. Um, the same. Yeah. <laughs> it's like I love this. Um, but I do have a place in my heart for women's fiction. I've written two. Um, and I just love them. I like the longer form and I like the more complex story where they're like dealing with family or whatever that is, plus romance or whatever, you know, depending on which way it's weighted. But those are actually, I think, my favorite books because they combine all the things I want um, in one book. Um, So when you think about our lives, you know, and the groups that you and I are both in, and it's not just that we're authors, oftentimes it's we're a group of women all supporting each other. And I think where would any of us be without our female friendships? And that's the other thing I love about women's fiction. It really celebrates that, you know, that bond we have um, and when there's no one else to turn to, your girls are always there. No, it's, it's actually one of the things to be frank, I'm the most grateful for. I was thinking, I think a lot when I drive and I do biking, um, and I had to get out early before it rained today, but one of the things I think I'm the most grateful for during the divorce is that it's brought me not closer. I have never felt so loved and supported by my female friends I as I have now. And it's just an amazing, I like look up every day and I think, oh my God, this is such an amazing group of people. Like they check in on me. Like I talk to them, you know, and it's so lovely to have a group of people that I can bounce any number of ideas off of. I mean, this week, I think we talked about mattresses, refrigerators, and some third appliance. Um, Cause you know, that too. But I mean, it's so nice to be able to talk about any number of things, politics, religion, you know, dating and yeah. appliances <laughs> um, yeah. with people. And I, I cherish it more than I cherish anything, but I do love writing about that because it's one of the things that's defined my life in such a positive way. And I do love writing about that kind of thing. Um, so I guess the other, the last question I have for you is what, and I think I may have emailed you about this earlier, but what is the, if you had to think about it, what is the sort of overarching theme in the books that you write? Genres notwithstanding. Genres notwithstanding, I think... Yeah, for me, it's home renovation, but go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> okay, apart from home renovation, apparently. It's, I think it is um, that sense of people who... That misfits can always find a place. That people who don't really feel like they belong always find... You know how, how we say your family... There's the family you're born to and the family you create. And I think oftentimes that's what I'm... That's what I'm reading about these people that are, are sort of just slightly different or maybe don't really fit in the mainstream and they find, they find their place in the world. Mm-hmm. I can't make that succinct, but I think that's what I write about. Oh, that's so interesting. Um, and I've actually only thought about the question because somebody asked me maybe like six months ago and, you know, I had to pause and I thought, is, is that a thing? And she was like, well, you've written like 25 books. Do you not know? And I was like, never thought about it. But um, you know how Theodore gave that talk on universal story. Oh, and, I, and I've been oh, thinking a lot about it because I was doing some blurbs, redoing some blurbs and stuff. And so I just wrote a board. I have an easel in my um, apartment because I was thinking about painting, but it turns out it's just going to be a board for ideas. But, um, but I was writing the universal themes for like a bunch of books that I was... Um, working on the blurbs for and taglines and all I can think of for me, I think it actually ends up being redemption. Um, and I don't know why that is. That's probably like a lot more therapy to figure that out, but it's just so interesting because when I read like any particular authors, not all of their books, cause I certainly don't do always do that. But when I read like a group of their books, it becomes clear what they're writing about, even if it's not necessarily clear to the writer. But I think the more, 
I talk with authors who've written, you know, dozens of books, um, a through line becomes clear over time. And it's quite fascinating. And you're right. I think it's not, I think it's hard for the person who wrote the books because we often can't tell what our story is. Whereas somebody who's read, who's read you is probably in a better position to say, this is what I think you're writing about. So what do you think I write about having read a bunch of my books? To me, it's sort of like a phoenix. I don't want to say rising from the ashes because that's not, I don't, it's not that negative connotation, but sort of creating a new person from the old. I like that a lot. Thank you. I'll take that. Thank you. That, but that's what it's, to me, that's what it seems like. But I've only read maybe half your books. <laughs> I'm not that good. Probably pretty good. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'll take that to the bank. Thank you. Um, but I do. Good one. I can see that for you. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I, but also, you know, what we see is maybe what we need to see. And that's one of the, it's one of those, let's say, author battles I have. Because I, from reader emails, I know that they get something different than what I intend sometimes. And that's, that's so always true. so fascinating to me. Um, you know, when they email me, um, I'm just like, wow, okay, that's, wow. But they have a whole life experience that's different from mine. And you know what I always say is once the book leaves my hand, it's not my book anymore. Like, you know, when we read, it's a, it's an interactive experience. So there's the book the author wrote and there's the book you read and they're not the same. No. And that's because you bring all your stuff to it. And so I feel like whenever you read a book, now it's your book. It's not my book anymore. Yes. And though, but I I find the um, interesting because somebody sent me an email this week comparing my book to some author. And I looked, I had to go look it up and I was like, okay, I don't see it, but maybe you're right. You know, like maybe you're right, you know? <laughs> okay. Um, okay. Um, and I think I took the quote, um, I think, and cause they left a review on Amazon and I was like, I'll just use this as a quote. She writes like quote, unquote, if, that, if that's a truth for you, it may be a truth for others. I don't know. I think that's a really smart idea. Yeah. Um, but it was just, it's just fascinating to me. Um, reader emails. I, I don't know. I could spend a whole <laughs> hour discussing reader emails. I'm always, utterly fascinated by their interpretation of what I write. I know. And they're so generous, aren't they? You know, it's so nice when you get those, well, thank you. You're getting me through this pandemic kind of emails. I'm like, Oh, what we do does matter. You know, we do. You know, they quite warm my heart because I'm, I don't, yes, I, I love them. So I get maybe, well, I get a lot. I don't know why I get so many. I have this conversation with a different friend often. She was like, my readers don't email me. I was like, but you sell more books. So, you know, it doesn't matter as much. Um, but I do get a lot of emails and I do actually write back to 99% of the people. Um, but it's just fascinating to me what they get. And um, although the best email I got this week was, I, she's like, I need to complete my collection of your paperback books. And I was like, you, you should. Oh, that's so nice. Yeah. So I was like, you, you should. Thank you. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> so uh, this, I guess this will be my last question. Do you have, because somebody asked me, somebody suggested I do this and I actually did it last year. Do you have a shelf that has all of your books? No, I do not. I have a bin in the basement that has <laughs> um, so many Harlequins. But what happened is I got the rights back to a lot of those, not all of them yet, but I've got quite a, those books back, a lot of those books back. And as you know, because you read about them, yeah. you know, they're a little creaky now. You know, my first ones that came out in like 2001, I'm sure I was talking about, fit, you know, uh, My Place or what, what was that? MySpace. You know, thank you. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, and, you know, they probably had like a Paul pilot or something. And so in the fashions are out and the musical references. So. I'm actually working on one of my millions of jobs this year is working on getting those um, just a, updated enough not to, because I think you have to be careful, right? You know, that author who I was 20 years ago is not the same woman I am now. And I think that I need to respect her books. Yeah. And so yeah. to update them without messing with that voice and that enthusiasm and that belief and love that was so different than what I now have as an older woman. Um, right. And so I hope to get those why am I telling you this had nothing to do with bookshelf except that there's a reason they're in a bin because uh-huh. they're, they, they will be the phoenixes that rise out of the ashes. There you are. And they will get a new, um, a new life. And, but I do, I think I have most of my mysteries on a shelf, but yeah, no, nothing like I should really take the trouble to get them all. What a good idea. 
No, so you know Marina, Marina Maddox. Um, she's an author. She recommended I do this. I don't know, maybe a year ago. Who knows? And um, it took me a minute to like sit down and order them all. I was like, oh, this is this is like a job. Um, but it's actually it's somewhat affirming because so right now they're above the uh, fireplace, which I think you saw on Zoom like a few months ago. But sure. right now they're above the fireplace, and I think every time I walk by, I think, oh. I created that. And it's sort of like, it's a, for some reason, it's, it's a slight boost in my life that makes me feel happy. I think, oh, because it, it feels, you know, sitting at a computer, sometimes it just feels, I was, I don't know, I was writing this morning and I was like, where is she? She's in a studio apartment. Where's her dresser? You know, like, it's just like, I, I was in the details, like, well, how is she going to put on socks? If I can't remember where her dresser is in this apartment and I couldn't find my notes on it. And then I just spun around and then whatever. But <laughs> I was like, I, I was in the forest and I was like, sometimes I just want to see some of the trees. Um, but it's been one of the best things uh, I've done. And it, it sort of, it, it makes me smile in the morning. And no, I'm not that person who wrote those books back in 2000, <clears throat> but it's okay. Like, it's okay that that woman wrote those books and this woman writes these books. I think you're right. And isn't it nice? Because I, I feel like we're so hard on ourselves all the time and especially nowadays in indie publishing it's like oh if you're not putting out you know like 50 books a minute there's something wrong with <laughs> yes. you and this is such hard work and to just take that moment and think look at me look at this whole shelf of beautiful books that i wrote that people write these beautiful emails because they matter mm-hmm. that's a beautiful thing and it good is. for you for celebrating it good for you and good for maria for suggesting it no, it's one of her best uh, suggestions of last year. Anyway, so thank you so, so much for talking to me. Um, I admire your writing so much, and I want you to go forth and continue, please. Well, thank you so much for having me, and I so look forward to you and I meeting somewhere in Europe for a drink. Oh, I know, in person. I, have, I mean, I remember I remember seeing you, like, in no, last, not last November, I'm sorry, November before last. November 4 last is the last time I saw you in Houston, right? Yeah. And I was like, oh, you know, but I'll see her soon and we'll sit down and we'll have this meal or chat or drink. And that has not come to fruition, but it's so high on my list. I was saying, oh, come to Budapest. And I'm like, oh, come to Bath. And and you know what? We're just going to have to do it. Or meet in Paris, meet in the middle. I know, meet in the middle. <laughs> That's true. Actually, that is very true. I, 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 I'm on board. I'm totally on board. It would be great. Um, Let's do it. Let's do it. So thank you so, so much for talking to me. I'm oddly, I think the weather we may have today may be the same or similar for once. Um, I think so too. Yes. Um, well, thank you for having me. What a lovely, lovely chat. Yes. And I'll talk to you soon. You bet. Take care. You too. This has been A Time to Thrill with me, your host, author, Amy Austin. If you enjoyed it, I hope you'll share, rate, and review on Apple Podcasts. It will help others to find and listen to my conversations with brilliant creators. Also, please hit the subscribe button on your podcast app. In addition to hosting this podcast, I'm also the author of the Casey Court series of legal thrillers. They're available wherever books are sold, your local library, and also an audiobook. You can follow me on Instagram at ThrillerPod, find me on Facebook at Casey Court Series, or A Time to Thrill. Thanks for listening, and I'll be back with you soon with more great conversations.